basically you pass out from smoke inhalation before you really feel the flames licking your body too I hard. could get high from dying on my own supply? <laughs> uh, all my favorite versions of this, though, like in Good Omens, are you just, I don't know, stuff yourself full of gunpowder right before you get up there. So, bam. That would be fun. This is the Big Bang Theory Theory. Yes, it is. The Big Bang Theory Theory. Hi, my name is Nick. And I'm Kyle. We watch a show that neither of us like so we can figure out why people do like it. Sometimes we end up liking it. Most of the times we don't. Every time we do watch it, we try to pick apart all the strange and nasty things that happen that are always surprising to see on a primetime family uh, television show. Yeah, a lot of those today. Yeah, one big one. Over and over and over again. Um, I guess We'll just go through the quick summary. Well, I want to... Oh, yeah, here. Go, 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 go. Um, I just want to start by saying I, people have to check the tape because, of course, we're too lazy to go back and either listen to our own footage or edit it into this episode. But I'm pretty sure last week, as an example of the kind of laziest plot imaginable that a writer for the Big Bang Theory Theory could ever conceivably throw out, one of us, I don't remember which one, just, just snowballs, well... Penny slips in the shower and gets stuck, and Wallowitz has to get her out. So, what was the plot of this week's episode? Oh, well, you say that, and you're going to feel like a real idiot, because the one half of this plot is that Penny slips in the shower and gets stuck, and Sheldon has to come save her. You dolt. Um, yeah, that's, that's basically one half of the whole episode. She falls and uh, dislocates her arm, her shoulder... And so Sheldon has to suddenly be the nurturing person to take her to the hospital and take care of her because the other three nerds are all out in the desert preparing to watch a meteor shower. Um, but what happens along the way is Wallowitz visits another campground to because oh, they're, they're out in the desert uh, camping. I'm assuming it's probably the Joshua Tree area because they're outside of California and that's where we got deserts and that's where people go to do drugs. And the nerds visit another campsite uh, that has some 50-something super hippie middle school teachers at it that give them a bunch of homemade cookies, and then they get super high on the cookies, and they laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh, and that's their whole half of the episode. It, but one big revelation comes out that they uh, keep bringing up. It's not even like a major point in the episode. It's just... Uh, it's just, we gotta go right there. Hard confirm, Wallowitz lost his virginity to his cousin, and uh Gross. I don't know. That's they so later clarify second cousin, and that's where I was like, "Oh, I'm back on board now." <laughs> As someone from Georgia, I just I I didn't see what the big deal was. Kyle, that's that's beneath you. No, I <laughs> just like your cousin used to be. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Georgia. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, and then so that's. That is the quick summary. And then the name of today's episode was... The Adhesive Duck Deficiency. Ah, yes, of course. You know, I think I'm sick of this game and don't ever want to play it again. It's never fun. <laughs> it's always a thing that I want to do so we can have segments in the show, and I hate it. But yes, Adhesive Duck Deficiency, because uh, Sheldon tells Penny that the reason she slipped is that she did not have enough whimsical ducks... Uh, that were stuck to the bottom of her tub to prevent her from slipping. Well, she doesn't. She slips and... Oh, that is what you said. You're right. Thank you. That feels nice. What do you think of today's episode, Kyle? (laughs) Uh, Honestly, my... So, I didn't find either part particularly compelling on its own. It was, for whatever reason, well intercut. 
So it's like like just when I was like getting bored with one part of it, they switched back to the other part. So that was yeah, like some of their better handling of A plots and B plots. Maybe you could call it just uh, a good crash course in editing because you can have two stories that are not interesting on their own. And yet, just by each story getting you away from the more boring part of the other story makes you feel excited and engaged. Well, yeah, I mean, you got to be careful. Like, this is, uh, dramas tend to fuck this up a lot because, like, basically by always cutting away, like, the moment, like, something's about to happen, they they kill all sense of tension and momentum in the story. Yeah. But this is the Big Bang Theory theory, which, or, fuck, this is the Big Bang Theory, which never had any momentum to begin with, so it's yeah. probably fine. The other thing I immediately noticed was the show is, it just felt so much more accurate and well-researched about, you know, what it's like to be super high on, like, tripping balls in the desert than it's been about anything else related Uh, to nerd stuff or... Fairly accurate. It's each of them has a cookie and then they immediately lose their minds. Well, we don't, I mean, I assume they ate all those cookies. That was like, that was part of, because I did think there have been high an awful long time, even for very strong cookies. But if they ate like an entire box. I related to uh, Penny in this one because uh, I too have dislocated my shoulder, uh, but I didn't go to a hospital because I live in real America where nobody has health care. And uh, I did it in a ridiculous comic fashion where I was living in this uh, second story apartment that had very steep stairs up to the top. And also it was winter and my roommate and I, we never shoveled the stairs because we're uh, worthless and filthy. And so one day I came out with a bag of garbage and a giant stack of pizza boxes. Cause also it was college and that was appropriate. Uh, and then as I, 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 I took one step down and I'm pretty sure I made the noise. Because then I slid on my ass down the rest of the stairs. Like, was this winter? or This just... was winter, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, that's why I... Sh- no, I said we weren't shoveling the snow off. Yeah, okay, I established winter well enough for me. I know, I just <laughs> wasn't paying attention. Uh, that's fair. Um, and I must have grabbed the railing or something and pulled my arm, like, up and out of the socket. Yeah, that's apparently a fairly regular injury in old people. Hey, you know, when else it happens is when... Uh, why 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 must you be like this? It hurts so bad, Kyle. I'm trying to relate to you to sh- to show how I'm empathizing with someone on the show. I'm trying to be more human than normal and you stab me in the heart with my own pain. So what happened? Uh I fell all the way down the stairs. Uh I I tried to get up and fell into a tree that knocked my glasses off and then when I fell back down again, I fell onto my glasses and broke them. Jesus <laughs> Christ. And then I just crawled back up the stairs and laid down for a while because I figured that was that was the end of my day. I'd done enough. Um, but that's not totally true. I was also very poor at the time. And so I think the same day I went and sold blood out of the dislocated arm, which I popped back into place on my own because it was only semi-dislocated. I didn't have to break my shoulder or anything. I just remember being like, this doesn't feel right. I guess I'll just stretch it. Ka-chunk! And um, from then on, for a long time, I could pull my arm a little ways out of the socket again until those uh, tendons and muscles got all healed up. It would just go, bloop, bloop, slide right out. Anyway. Jesus Christ. I I wanted to sing. So, point of order. Normally, I would sing the Nick Oversharing's Life Story song, but there was really no oversharing in there. That was just something that happened to you. Yeah. Like, there was no real... I'm just, in case people are wondering, I'm making a referee call now. If there's no sense of awkward shame or, you know, 
someone else having having some aspect of their life divulged that they might be uncomfortable about if their name was dropped into the episode. Mm-hmm. I don't think it really counts as one of Nick over sharing life stories, but it was a cool little bit. I'm glad that you told that. Hey, thanks, buddy. I'm glad that you're with me on this one. The fact that you're encouraging me somehow makes me feel as if it was a whole waste of time that I should be ashamed of. Yeah, I can't fix that part of your brain. Sorry. Oh, no. It's like I sent some materials to a friend and they were like, hey, you're a really good writer. And I was immediately like, you shut your fucking mouth. (laughs) That's not true. You're just saying that because you're secretly my enemy and you're trying to placate me. I'm healthy. I'm healthy. Um, Man, I don't know. Like, this is another one where unless we want to talk about Wallowitz cousin fucking, I don't know what else you want to talk about that's like problematic. Well, also it was. Sheldon's a peeper. Yeah, I mean, we can talk about that. Uh, but back to the cousin thing real quick. Also, it like at the end of it, it turns out they were at his like uncle's or grandfather's. It was someone, some relative's funeral. Yeah, I think it was his grandpa's funeral. Which is also weird. Well, you get drunk, you get sad. You look at that body being laid on the display and you're like, oh man, that's not the only stiff thing around here. I mean, here. We, we don't know. Okay. Baba booey, baba booey. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's not how I felt at my mom's wake, if that means anything. I didn't sleep with my cousin <laughs> at the wake. <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah. I mean, so now I want to ask overly personal questions. I was going to be like, what's the highest you've ever been? Have uh, you ever been in the desert losing your mind, eating everything around you? I mean, I definitely... Uh, I, I don't like... I well, I think the I've you know I definitely remember the highest I've ever been because or at least I don't like highest I've ever been ended somehow with me sitting through all of uh, Amazing Spider-Man two, and I remember none of that movie. Like, I wonder not a, how much that had to do with being high though. No, no, all, I mean I consider it a blessing. Like I consider yeah. like if so, like if someone had had if I had like had to be in theaters for some reason it was like you're going to watch this now it would have been like please stone me out of my mind but that wasn't it. That was just like I was just like bored and I had for whatever a long afternoon in front of me and I had just gotten my because this is California. I had just gotten like done the whole thing where you go and you get your medical marijuana card for you know what? my anxiety and insomnia you went a green card <laughs> yeah back in the day back in the the distant past of 2015 or whatever you, you know those are still important you get significant discounts on on drugs with those yeah because but- if he needed his medicine the state feels less uh eager to tax you god that was such an awkward experience all like going to that doctor but um uh Anyway, so yeah, so I was like, yeah, I might as well, and much like your friend with the brownies, I had no idea how strong the weed was in California, so I took, like, way too much of an edible, and I'm literally sitting in the middle of the town square, like, reading on my Kindle, and being like, this, the, this, God, I hate that I'm telling, it's not, there's nothing interesting about this story, I got too high, I read a book and I thought it was really profound, I went back and I read the same chapter later and I was like, this isn't profound at all, I was just tripping balls, and I was like, I gotta get inside, there are cops around here and they can all tell that I'm high, I have to run, I have to escape, oh god, there's a movie theater, I can hide in there, it's dark and no one will care, and somehow I remember just, like, non-verbally, just, like, handing a wad of, like, cash to the person who was selling a ticket and like pointing at the poster because i couldn't speak or count Mm. and somehow i made my way upstairs into the correct theater and then i promptly sat down and 
do not remember any single scene of Amazing Spider-Man 2. That was the whole story. Not very good. Because hey. I think all the good weed stories, there's someone to talk to. And of course, you know. So, first of all, I think by acknowledging that there wasn't much to the story and it wasn't as profound or interesting as you initially thought, you have, in a sense, relived being high again, where everything feels for that moment profound and interesting. Because <laughs> that's what most weed stories are. Because it's not like it's not like you get high and you're like, I'm going to go hit somebody with an axe. You know, it's like, I'm going to get high and I'm going to see if these movies I liked from my childhood hold up to time. Oh, no, they're all pretty homophobic. Oh, like that's that's what you do when you get high. Yeah, that's true. Because one time uh, I remember I, I went out with dinner for, for dinner with some friends uh, and it was a mix of law school pals and in and, and hometown pals. And hometown pal was like, hey, do you want to see these f- photos I took of Nick Hyde's ass getting slapped bare red with giant handprints on it? And I was like, I don't remember this at all. And apparently I once uh, got so high that I, I, I like to call it a brownout because I don't have any period there where I'm sure I was blacking out. Uh, but I must have got foggy at some point because I don't remember everyone taking turns to slap my bare ass. But hey, that's a what's thing we did. that? It's Nick's oversharing life. Yes, it's that. It's Nick's one oversharing life. Life story time. That's what we got here today. Nick's oversharing life stories today. Ba-na-na-na-da. Changing it up a little. I believe that's also a shout out to listener and friend Mac who shared the photos, um, much to my surprise. Not really so much to my anger or anxiety, because you know what? This booty fly, all right? Ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah. <sighs> Anything else, Kyle? Uh, there better... Uh, fuck. Um, I guess one thing we should just address is that um, part of the hilarity of Sheldon and Penny having to work together and Sheldon having to get her to the hospital is half of it doesn't work, because part of it is that like Sheldon can't actually drive her there because he never drives and he does try to drive and it's scary but it's kind of a dud nothing really hilarious happens there yeah except it creates uh this is a dumb logic but the whole reason they have to drive is because penny insists it will be faster than just calling a cab and this is one of those things where like it was obvious like five seconds in that yeah that was a line written into the episode to explain things that just made it worse because i probably wouldn't have wondered why they didn't why she wanted him to drive if they hadn't made such a big deal out of it yeah i think in modern days the well i would wonder why she did not hail a ride-sharing app but as far as like cabs go yeah it's one of those things where you could ask later on why she didn't have that option but in the moment like when someone just needs help and is asked for it and, and asks for it and doesn't get it. I think you immediately like relate enough to them that you're not considering the alternatives anymore. Yeah, because the whole thing is he doesn't really drive, right? So she was like, could you please drive me to the hospital? And he's like, I don't drive. And she's like, yeah, but my arm is broken. I really need help. Please drive me. It could have been like, well, okay, although it freaks me out. And then you would have gotten there. And instead they do this whole little mini bit where she he's like, I can call you a cab. She's like, no, a cab would take way too long. But you driving me, as it turns out, five miles an hour down the road. Yeah. To the hospital will definitely get us there faster. Yeah, it's it's fine. Uh, but that's me overthinking the episode. I don't think you're over... What else do we do if not overthink the episode? That That's you staying on brand. That's you committing to the bit is what that is. That's true. Um, but the other half of their, their deal is because Penny's arm is dislocated, she can't get her clothes on or off. So Sheldon has to help dress and undress her. And... Uh, 
Sheldon, thank goodness, unlike every other person on the show, is like, you know, as part of the chivalric heroic duties, uh, no hero would ever uh, gaze upon the, the nude body of the person he's trying to help. Uh, and that's all great. And so afterwards, uh, he asks her why, asks Penny why she has the uh, Chinese character for soup tattooed on her butt, which she believes is courage, in which he, he uh, acknowledges that though there is no looking upon the naked lady, there is also, there's a peeking rule. You get to slick, slick, sneak well, a peek. Well, no, I mean, you're making, I, this probably doesn't matter here in the real world, but in terms of narrative construction, actually, like, like I get in, if this were a real person telling me, I'd just be like, yeah, what a fucking creep. But I do like the idea just based in, like, the, the slightly parallel universe of the Big Bang Theory. Sheldon, I don't think, looked at her ass because he had felt any purient interest at all at what her naked body looked like. He was just literally like... I am, an, I am a character in a mythological story. I have been tasked with escorting the damsel. Part of my role is to maintain her chastity, but part of my role is also to peek slyly at her body. I mean, uh, all I can no, say no, is... that has to be it. I think you're right, because... Well, I just... It's a good... So now that I'm thinking more about that, it's a good thing that, like, there's not a part in those stories normally where he, like, you know locks her in a tower or something but but let's take a second to break that down a little bit because how much credit are we giving the writers there are two things that happened here one either one of the writers decided one day that's sheldon horny sheldon got to see that booty or the writers thought about the history of chivalry and the etiquette that goes along with it and decided that sheldon himself in his weird non-sexual and um, literary aspiring way, how to abide by such codes. It's... You know what? I can't believe I'm doing this. I really can't believe it. But I'm going to stand up for the writers of the Big Bang Theory what? on this one. What? I am, because it's just... The Sheldon doesn't get horny rule is so well established at this point in the mythology that any any, like, indicator that he secretly wanted, like, that this whole time he had been lustful for Penny but did not know how to express it, would be so out of character that I really feel like they had to come up, like, that they did the extra work to justify it, to make it work. See, now, I I think that that is mostly correct, except one thing that I got to disagree with is this idea that Sheldon would only do it if he had this long, lingering lust for her. Instead, what I believe is uh, Sheldon... Well, not what I believe, but what I argue, because as a lawyer, I don't believe anything I say, um, that when he was holding up her clothes, trying to help get her dressed, he wasn't like, oh, at last, finally my time. He was just like, I wonder what Penny's tits look like. And that was the beginning and end of it. Except he didn't get to see that. He just got to see the butt. I could see him getting... Well, we don't know what he saw. We know he saw at least the butt. Well, but I was thinking that if if he if she would have to be facing him for her to see for him to see any of the boob that's true. well he also we totally gloss over unless that booty so wide you can see it from the front he does act in another great comic you know great for mainstream family television he accidentally feels her up unless you don't think that was an accident no that that's half an accident <laughs> the the so when when trying to get the shirt around penny he just totally grabs her boob. Okay, accident. Fine. Not letting go, which he does not, until it is very slowly 
It cautiously explained to him that he may have grabbed a boob. Of course, they never just say it, um, because even though they will talk about cousin fucking and all sorts of horniness, there's no boob grabbing that can be mentioned explicitly. Maybe for comedy's per sake, you know. But, um, yeah, that's... There, there's a there's a mistake and an accident in touching. There is a lasciviousness in not letting go. Well, no, I don't. Again, now I think you're like now I think it's just it's just like sheer curiosity at that point. Yeah, he's like he's like a weird animal. Yeah, it's yeah he's like he's like uh well no because with that I I wanted to compare him to like those cavemen who you know in movies who always end up like way too close to modern women, but uh. I guess that's horniness too. I think it's literally with him. It's like, oh, file under. So yeah. that's what that feels mm, like. Finally, some more data to collect. Yes, yes, exactly. Well, like, yeah, literally. Now that you mention it, like, you know, when Data kisses that lady or has sex with that lady on Star Trek. Oh wait, do you mean on the series or in one of the movies? Because I'm only familiar with. Uh, is it First Contact? In or no, maybe it's it's the one where they time travel back to Montana. That is that is first contact. Okay, yeah, gets, yes, we've all talked about the skin thing. You always love to talk about. The I love skin. talking about the skin thing, but that's the only time I know about. Well, no, because it's where the line because you've mentioned this before. Oh right, he's the got fully his, functional thing. Yeah, he's got six inches of logic. Yeah, there's a there's a woman who has a crush on him, and uh, he doesn't really reciprocate, but she basically convinces him that for science they should bone, and he's like. Ah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And so... Good a reason as any. Um, you, uh... Go ahead. Two interesting... Obs so these are just me reminding you of things. My favorite part of this whole episode wasn't in the episode. It was when uh, Sheldon first walks into the bathroom and finds Penny lying in the tub, not able to get out. Uh, Nick, you were like, oh, I get it. She's just way too high right now. Mm-hmm. She's on drugs and she can't get out of the tub like you do. That'll happen sometimes. I do think that I'm just saying I think that would have been a better episode. Okay, that's I was wondering where you're going with that. That's I maybe next episode. Maybe they will revisit this episode several times with all the different ways it could have played out. No, we both know they won't. No, but that would have been if if actually you know the whole if Penny this whole time were secretly like a major pill popper, that would I think that That'd would be great. None of that would would violate anything we know about her character really. No, and to explain how she's able to tolerate this high high th well no she has a high threshold for annoyance dealing with the high danger of it i guess you could say is yeah, she's I just always so chill that she can be around sheldon at all without freaking out yes uh something this kind of reminded me of is so with penny also makes a joke when um sheldon takes her home from the hospital when like, she is hot she now she yeah, is yeah, high yeah, her mind on painkillers all whacked out on the opiates and She's like, I'm going to need help getting into bed. You're going to have to take me to bed, Sheldon. <laughs> and uh, what a um, neutering effect that is. It reminded me of, uh, I have a friend who, there was a murderer on the loose. And um, her, her, I can't remember if it was boyfriend or husband out of the time, but you know, her, her man was gone at the time. And she's like, I need someone around in case the murderer comes here. You know, like. To, to help save the, the, the kids in me or whatever. Uh, and I was like, well, find somebody else because I can't do that. Um, but then she very logically pivoted and said, all right, well, at the very least, if you sleep closest to the door, you're most likely to get raped and murdered, and I would at least like that much time to get away. And then I was on board with it. <laughs> so that was nice. That was... Yeah, I never... Uh... Wow. Brings... 
Now I've that that just reminds me of some interesting stuff. None of it is really connected all to this episode, so it's not probably worth. All bringing right, up. yeah. Fuck your fuck your anecdote, Kyle. That's what I say. I would have absolutely listened to it and wouldn't have said anything as you you know actually got into it. But now that we're we're past it, fuck your anecdote. Well, uh, so, well, your story reminded me. It's like this one time, uh, my sister-in-law was like, because my brother was out of town, was like, hey, can you? Uh, can you come sleep in the guest room because the window won't lock? And I was like, what a crazy thing to be worried about that someone's going to climb in the window. But, you know, that's how people are. But then that reminded, I mean, that was actually probably not that crazy in the grand scheme of things. But that reminded me of the time that I totally misunderstood someone's behavior and felt really weird about it much later, which was I was, uh, the one time I was a production assistant, um, I was helping a bunch of crew and actors and we were out shooting in the desert as a matter of fact Kyle's over sharing life stories I don't know well Kyle's got himself a story he's gonna tell us all no one knows where it goes we gotta listen we gotta look back down the hose of Kyle's mind down to the end where there are spiders he calls his friends they crawl inside his mind they have a good time they find all of his secrets and they draw him into the light. It's Kyle's oversharing personal stories. Damn, that was pretty good. Hey, thanks, buddy. So anyway, so I'm working as a production assistant uh, for free uh, and uh, helping a bunch of people make an indie film. Uh, they were all pretty cool. But anyway, so it was us and it was all of the crew, including me. Uh, the director was nice enough to spring for us to have accommodations, but he was broke. So he uh, he put us all in one, basically like one Airbnb together. Mm-hmm. Me, like three other big sweaty hairy dudes, and the lead actress. And at one where, point, where is this going, Kyle? <laughs> no, this. So at one point, uh, I see, I see her. Um, she's like, "Hey, does uh, does anyone want to?" I can't remember exactly what she says, but she just comes out and she notes that her door does not lock. And she doesn't, and I, or I don't, I oh, fuck, I don't remember. But basically, the end of the story is the next morning. Uh, we woke up, and she had slept the whole night in the bathroom because the bathroom was the only room in the house where the door locked. Oh, because she thought you were all gonna rape her. Well, no, that's <laughs> yes, that's probably what it was. But at the time, I was like, why would you sleep in the bathroom? And she was like, my door wasn't locked. And the honest thought I had. For like years after that happened was like, oh, wow, she was really worried about some random person wandering in from the desert like Mike Myers or, you know, you didn't realize the fucking Jason and like assault. It's like, what an odd, what an odd, irrational, statistical, like statistically unlikely thing to be scared of. And it was literally like four years later, I was just driving down the road and I was like, oh, she thought we were going to rape her. Yeah. And was there anything that made that come to mind when you were traveling down the road? You're just looking back I on don't, past like, sins. I don't remember what made that click. Maybe it was like a Me Too thing. I don't know. I was oh, just like... Jesus. That's an excellent, we have to wrap this up point. Uh, yeah, this show is still the show you've been listening to. It's a Big Bang Theory Theory. We're on social media. You can find us at Facebook. You can find us at the website, bbttpodcast.com. You can find us on Twitter at bbtheorysquared.com. Uh, or no, that's not how that, that's not how Twitter works. Twitter.com slash BB theory squared. Well, or if you go to Twitter and you just search for at BB theory squared, you'll find us. You'll find us. 
Uh, find us on iTunes as well. Rate the show. Give it positive reviews. We like that. Give it negative reviews. Then I'll have something to get mad about. Either way, I enjoy it. Uh, let's talk about our nerdy thing of the week before we before we wind down. Kyle, do you have one to go? I do. Do you? I have a real cop out this week. Go ahead. All right. So Kyle and I. Um, oh, of course. Well, I don't. Of course, what? Go ahead. Kyle and I recorded a bonus episode of the show that we've yet to that I've yet to release because I'm lazy, and so this is kind of a cheat because I'm going to use something from that episode, which is I've been playing a lot of Fire Emblem, Kyle, a lot of Fire Emblem, and uh, I don't know what to say about it other than that it's sucking me in, and people should try this more. So the game specifically, it's Fire Emblem: The Three Houses, and. I haven't really played any of the other Fire Emblem games up to this point. I just kept hearing such great things about this one that I finally wanted to give it a try. All of them, at their heart, are turn-based strategy games where uh, if you're completely unfamiliar with the uh, the genre, you have different types of units that all play out on a uh, grid, and you move your units around to fight enemy units, and that's it. You have little wars. It's a good time. Um, but this, the game, uh, a few years back started incorporating pretty heavy social elements into it. So it wasn't just about battle and turn-based strategy. It was also about like, who do you have the biggest crush on? And so that now plays a big part of it. And so when I'm leading my child of army soldiers, not only do I have to, did I say my army of army soldiers or did I say my child of army soldiers? (laughs) You have, you said both now you have yet to say my army Army of of child soldiers. soldiers. As I'm leading to the war, um, I have to put invest as much as I can to make them fight better and to seeing who wants to kiss who the most. And then if one of them gets mortally injured in battle, they are gone from the game. And I have to look at what I've created and see how it shatters as soon as it hits the floor. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's a game that I wasn't into at first because uh, Kyle might disagree with me. But I, th- I think the normal mode is just a little too easy. And so it results in being able to just like run forward and kill everything as willy-nilly as you want, which I think is a problem a lot of strategy games have. It'll always be the most effective thing to go after the strongest guy that can do the most damage to you and just kill him and then go to the next one and then go to the next one and not really have to have any strategy beyond that. But uh, turning the difficulty up on this one a little bit, uh, it's, it just still doesn't make it like an incredible chess kind of game or anything like that but it does make you have to move a little bit more carefully and that i appreciate because uh i want my my child soldiers to bond all the stronger so their deaths can be all the more heartbreaking and i can feel the feelings that i'm supposed to feel as a human that i refuse to share for anyone else that's actually alive on this earth um also it's harry potter with knights so take that uh all right yeah fire emblem three houses good game it's on the nintendo switch Play it if you like. Don't play it if you don't like. Kyle, your turn. Yeah, I also like the Fire Emblem. I thought you were going to talk about how we went to see a movie. No, I was avoiding that because I assumed you'd want to talk about it more than me. Uh, I actually already forgot. Like, I had a different recommendation. But yeah, we're going to go with... I'll save that one for later. We're going to go with... Uh, so, Nick and I went to go see... at my. It was my idea. We went to go see Takashi Miike's new film, First Love, which... Uh, Oh boy, did I like it! Oh boy, it was, was a lot that, of fun. It was a great little movie. I don't. It's actually. It's not that hard to describe. Like describing the director and like 
trying to fit his oeuvre into one category is harder than just describing the movie. He's Takashi Miike is a Japanese film director. He's made, he's very prolific. He's made over a hundred films. He averages like three or four a year, all different genres and types. He's most famous for his gangster movies and his horror movies, but Mm -hmm. at least over here, I mean, and his horror movies are really, really fucked up. So, you know, he deserves, he definitely deserves, uh, some credit for that, I guess, but uh, he also makes pretty ultraviolet gangster movies and then a bunch of just like fun stuff and samurai period pieces. And uh, did he make the DOA movies? Yeah, Not I, the video game ones. Yes, but the, he okay. did make uh, the Dead or Alive trilogy, which I've never seen. Um, but so I'm most of his like for the longest time I wasn't into any of his stuff because I assumed it was all like like either horror or so horrifically violent that I wouldn't be comfortable watching it. Um, which is something I was afraid of when we were going into this movie. Yes, and yet I drag you in anyway, like which was kind of a dick move. But uh, no, you you keep so Kyle. Let's work on our relationship here a little bit in the middle of your recommendation. Okay, I don't have to do shit if I don't want to do it. You, yeah, you you didn't literally drag me to a theater. You didn't browbeat me. You asked me if I wanted to go to a movie, and I said yes. And you're like, oh no, I enjoy spending time with you. Yeah, I don't know how to process. You're my special boy can't process that right now. Um, so anyway, so but uh, like I've seen several of his his like period samurai movies and his his uh, 100th film, which was uh, adaption of the manga uh, Blade of the Immortal, which was fantastic. And you know, none of them were too like squicky. Um, <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I, I, and they were a lot of fun and very well made so I was just having I was like and this new one had been getting rave reviews so I was like let's go check it out which is a long way of leading into the movie itself you don't have to know anything about Takashi Miike no it's great it's just a fun it's about a there's a boxer and he gets a he uh, he gets a bad diagnosis at the doctor and so the night he finds out he's dying of a brain tumor he meets a girl who is you know in in a lot of trouble. Yeah, she, she's not, running from circumstances that are not clear to him, but seem yeah, pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, bad trouble, and both of them end up caught up in the middle of this huge elaborate plot that uh, leads to this gigantic gang war between the the noble Japanese yakuza and the ruthlessly amoral Chinese mobsters. Oh yeah, um, slight you know slight weirdness there on whatever, but uh. You know, not my country, so who cares? Yeah, uh, you, you are merely explaining the racism that you saw somewhere else, and you are not endorsing any racist beliefs that were shared on behalf of the film. Thank you. Thank you. Um, that said, I know that Kyle just hates Chinese people. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, so it's uh, so it's got everything. It's, you know, action, romance, uh, cool, like, vehicle sequences, like, boxing. Yeah. You know, and for how nasty his movies get, I found it shockingly restrained. Yeah, like, I w- there's so much violence, but there's nothing that made me kind of want to barf. No, I mean it's it's the fun kind of violence, right? It's like the kind of violence where someone gets their you know their arm chopped off, and it's funny. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's a it's a laugh. It was I did make the joke going in. Uh, it's like I hope you're okay with seeing someone get all their limbs hacked off, which was a joke and a reference to other movies in his oeuvre. Totally happened. Yeah. Totally called it. Um, great characters, despite the fact that they're all kind of one-dimensional. Like every single character in the movie yeah. has sort of their own personality, and it's great. 
Well, you know, they're, they're almost, they're like comic book characters. Exactly. They, they show up, they are awesome for the duration that they need to be, and then they move on. Yes. So overall, you know, despite not being profound or anything, it was just like a great, if you're okay, uh, you know, it was sort of like a, well, actually, I, there's nothing else, it's the most like, it's like some of like Quentin Tarantino's mid-career stuff, like uh, Kill Bill or something like that, but it's actually, it's still its own thing, it's hard to describe, mm-hmm. you know. Guy Ritchie, but with samurai swords. I don't know how to do it. It's its own thing. You should see. Uh, Guy Ritchie's closer, I think, than the Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Just the more kind of freewheeling, hey, we're all just having fun here. We're a bunch of gangsters killing, but we're all kind of swell guys. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, as I, you know, I have no, no reason not to recommend it. There was something else I wanted to say about it, and it's it's slowly floating away. Well, so While you're thinking, I'm just going to say that I also endorse this recommendation. It was hard for me to not talk about this. This is my recommendation this week. I just figured that Kyle would be better suited to do it. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. So please see, because what I have a feeling is this one, for whatever reason, this is like his biggest breakout hit here in the U.S. in a while. I think it's actually getting a wide release, which means most of you may have an opportunity to go see it somewhere. Um, Hopefully, although it's still subtitled, so I don't know how that works. But I feel like it's destined that someone is going to try to take the plot of this movie and make it into an American gangster picture, you know? Yeah. And that movie is going to be fucking unwatchable. It's shitty it's movie gonna where be... Josh Brolin doesn't have sex with his daughter. Yes, uh. exactly. You know, Liam Neeson plays the boxer. It's going to be fucking a nightmare. Please... Please watch this version of the movie. Yeah, every gangster will have a child back home that they're fighting for. They're, <laughs> they're not just morally bankrupt, but they're doing what they can to protect their family in the only way they know how, which is by hacking the heads off of everyone around them. Yes. <sighs> It'll be PG-13. Yeah. You know, this movie, could I think it could almost be PG-13, if not for the heavy thematic elements. So much of the violence is done, I dare say, tastefully. <laughs> that I think it it falls almost within that boundary. Um, yeah. Well, this was fun. Yeah. We got to know that I don't, I didn't, I don't Penny think we, has soup butt. Yeah, I don't think we did a very good job of talking about the episode on this one, but they didn't give us a lot to work with, guys. Oh, it was really great. We're good at this. We're all right.